And what happened yesterday was that God, through the angel, is telling Abraham and Sarah that they're going to have a child. And Sarah overhears this and she laughs. And she says, is this possible? Is this really going to happen? And God comes to Abraham and says, Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Now, this is a question that we can ask is why does God come to Abraham? Why not go to Sarah? If she's the one who laughed, go to Sarah. But in any case, God comes to Abraham and says to Abraham, why did she laugh? God can do anything. And it's going to happen. Next year, Sarah is going to have a son. So that's where we left off yesterday. So it picks up again over here today. Verse 15. You see the you can see the text. Is yeah. there? Yes. Okay. But So Sarah denies. I deny. But Sarah. Sarah denies. Lamar saying She says I did not laugh. because she was afraid. By Yoimer loy and he said no. You laughed. Who's he? So if you look at the translation here, it has he with a capital H. So apparently that's God. But from the text, it's a little bit vague. Let's see what uh, Rashi says. I'm sorry. Let's keep going. Verse 16. So that it leaves it right there. This is, this is uh, a little bit enigmatic, but we'll leave it right there. Verse 16, The men arose from there. Are these really men? They appear to be men. They were angels. We learned that already yesterday. They looked upon Sodom. Now, did all of the men go to Sodom? There were three angels. Did all of them go to Sodom? There was one who came to tell Sarah the good news. I don't think they needed him. Um, there was two. One had to turn over Sodom, and the other one was there to save Lot. The same one who healed Abraham, he continued in his mode of healing and saved Lot. So that's two. So maybe there were only two who went and not three. But in any case, it's two at least. Um imam um, Abraham went with them Lishalcham to send them off to escort them. Rashi says this expression, they looked upon Sodom. There's many words in Hebrew for looking. Right? We had it in last week's parsha when God tells Abraham, Look, look at the stars. He uses the word habait. So here he is Vayashkifu. Vayashkifu. That means they looked. English, we have scope to scope out. So this could be uh, at least to remind you by Yashkifu is they, they looked. I don't know if it's linguistically connected. Probably not, but who knows. Rashi tells us that anytime he uses this word for look, it means something bad. There's only one case where this verb is used, Hashkifu, to look. We were talking to God and we're saying to God, Look from your holy dwelling, and there 
we take a word that generally means a bad thing and there it means a good thing. How is that possible? The answer is, Rashi tells us, the context over there is, it's talking about the gifts that we are obligated to give to the poor. And when you give gifts to the poor, when you give tzedakah, it's so powerful that it can transform that which is typically bad into something good. And we can use this expression, hashkifa, look in this, in this verb, hashkifa, and it, and it can refer to something good. We're asking God to look down from heaven. But here, getting back to our subject at hand, when the men, the angels, look upon Sodom, they're not looking favorably. They're looking at how are we going to destroy this place. Rashi, l'shalcham, the root here is shaliach, which is a messenger or to, uh, a, a, an emissary. But Rashi tells us it doesn't mean to send them off because he wasn't sending them off. They were on God's mission. But rather, it has the connotation of escorting them. As Rashi says, <laughs> he thought that they were wayfarers, that they were stam guests who uh, he didn't realize that they were angels. And therefore, he, he escorts them. By the way, we learn from Abraham how you're supposed to do hospitality. I was thinking about it. You know, what we read yesterday, so much detail of what Abraham did. You know, he didn't say, come in, I'll put up, uh, I'll give you a slice of pizza, right? He makes them meat and he makes them bread and different types, you know, it's the finest flour. And, and he's got one tongue for each guy and he's got the mustard. And he puts them under the tree for the shade. He really goes all out. This is how hospitality is done. And washes this, their feet. Huh? Washes their feet. Did he wash their feet or he just said, wash your feet? Oh, um, maybe somebody washed their feet. Probably the Levites. <laughs> um, no, I don't think so. The the um, so he's, he's very digital, and here, and we, here see we see one of the key, one of the key one of the key um, aspects of hospitality is to escort your guest. You know, you walk up to the door, but if you go out a little bit further, what that shows is that you really enjoyed having the per- person there. You appreciate them. That is what. Um, escorting is about and we see abraham is really the consummate host and that's and that's why we have this extra word over here or this extra phrase in 16 abraham goes out with them to escort them very very important lesson there verse 17 now god says am i gonna conceal from abraham that which i'm planning to do so this is a, a, a verse, it's not a statement, it's a question. It's got a question mark at the end. As Rashi says, this is supposed to be read as a wonder, a question. What does he mean, what I'm planning to do, says Rashi, that which I'm planning to do in Sodom. And, and God says, it's not nice. It's improper for me to do this thing without Abraham's knowledge. Why? What's it Abraham's business? What God is going to do in Sodom? The answer is, God says, I gave him this land. This is part of the future land of Israel. These five cities, 
Sodom, Amora, etc., are his. Karasi Avraham, I called him Abraham. He is the father of a multitude of nations, and I'm going to destroy the children of those the uh, the children. I'm not going to tell the father, Abraham, who loves me. Shuayavi is my who loves me. So I got to tell him. Verse 18, And Abraham will become a great and powerful nation. And the nations of the world, all the nations of the world will be blessed in him. What is this verse? How does this verse fit in over here? So Rashi says, two explanations. First, it really doesn't, this really doesn't add to the story, this verse. It's just, it, teach, it teaches us, as we've seen in the past, that when you mention a righteous person, you go on about him, about how righteous he was. He was Zechet Tzadik Livracha. So the verse mentioned Abraham, and it goes on how great he was. Another explanation Rashi gives is, well, the first one he gives is the Medrash. Then the second he says, the simple explanation is, how could I hide this from him? He's so precious to me. And the, the, the evidence that he's so precious to me is that I, I've, I've said he's going to be a great nation and that all will be blessed by him. So in the first, in 17, we said, I got to tell Abraham because it's his. This is his people. This is his children. This is his cities. And the second verse, it's saying, he's so precious to me. How can I hide this from him? Verse 19, it continues. God continues to explain why Abraham is so precious. So this is a very important verse. Why? What does God love so much about Abraham? Says the Torah, Kiyadaitiv says, God, I have known him because he commands his sons and his household after him. Commands them to do what? To keep the Torah. To keep the way of God. To do tzedakah, righteousness, and mishpat, justice. In order that the Lord bring upon Abraham that which he spoke concerning him. Now this expression for I have known him, Rashi says, not just I know him, I know his address, got his social security number. No, this is an expression of love and affection. Why do I, why do I love him? Right? In other words, it's not just I know him, I love him. I've loved him because he teaches his children about me and to, to follow in my ways. Laman Havi, in order that the Lord brings, so, so would he command his sons, keep the way of God in order that God bring upon Abraham. It doesn't say upon the house of Abraham, but upon Abraham. We learn from this, that whoever raises a righteous son is considered as though he does not die. What's Rashi's proof? It doesn't say it says that there's going to be a reward for these mitzvahs of the children. And it said it's going to be brought upon, bring upon Abraham. But Abraham won't be alive in the future when these children are going to be fulfilling the mitzvahs. Says Rashi, a really powerful idea, that if you raise a righteous son, it's considered as a child as if you did not die. Verse 20, by Yemen Hashem, God said, Zakas. So finally, he, he spills the beans to Abraham and he says, I'm going to be destroying this place. But he explains why. He says, Zakas, the cry of Sodom and Amorah, has become great. And their sins have become very grave. 
the, the Medrash says that this cry was actually the cry of a certain woman who was who was tortured in a in in, in Sodom. Rashi will tell us in, in a minute. Verse 21. Let me go down and see. Whether according to her cry, which has come to me, they have done. And if so, I will wreak destruction. And if not, I will know. Rashi says, what does this mean? I will go down. Does God need to go down to see? I mean, what does this mean? So Rashi says this is to teach us a lesson. It's to teach a lesson to judges that they should not make a ruling when it comes to capital cases, because here these people are going to be killed. Capital punishment. Teaches the judges don't make any decisions until you um, until you see. As the commentator says, go to the site of the crime and investigate the matter. Another explanation, what does it mean to go down? It means to descend to the end of their deeds, to fathom the results thereof, to get to, to the bottom of what's going to happen here. Now, Rashi gives two explanations. Hakatsas said the cry. The first explanation says the cry of the land. And if they're going to keep rebelling, then I'm going to destroy them. But if they will repent, I'll see what I'll do with them. I'll punish them in different ways, but I will not destroy them. Then Rashi cites the Medrash. The Medrash says her cry. Her cry is not only the country, but it's a cry of a particular young woman whom they killed in a horrible way. And what was her crime? What was the crime of this young woman? Because she gave food to a pauper, as explained in Tractate Sanhedrin 109b. So, as we know, Sodom was a place where selfishness, which is a human trait, but most of us, we try to get beyond our selfishness. And even if we cave once in a while, we, we get back up, and it's a constant battle. But in Sodom... They worshipped selfishness. They made that into a religion, a religion of selfishness. And if anybody went against that, if anybody did any charity, they wanted to keep everything for themselves and they didn't want any poor people coming, coming through and taking from them. And so anybody who gave charity was punished. It was like double parking, but the, um, but the punishment was a lot worse than getting a ticket. As you see from this story, that this woman, the Medrash elaborates that there was a poor person who was sitting on the streets and they saw that he wasn't dying. He was alive. He was, he was alive. Why, how, is he, how is he staying alive? He has no food. So they you know, put the secret service on, on him and uh, found out that this woman was bringing him food and they, they, tort, they, uh, they killed her. Verse 22, the men left from there by so the men, the angels, they turn to Sodom. They go towards Sodom. And Abraham was still standing before God. Verse 23. Abraham approached God and says, and this is going to be the famous episode where Abraham stands up to God and he tries. He doesn't just say, well, yep, they're evil. Let's get rid of them. Um, you know, yes, sir. He tries to argue with God to save the people. And he says, Ha'af tispet sadikim Russia, will you even destroy the righteous with the wicked? Rashi tells us this word vayigash, 
and Abraham approached, right? If we look in the Torah, we're going to see that this verb, vayigash, to approach, there's a parsha by that name, by the way, coming up in a few weeks, when Judah approaches Joseph. This word, to approach, vayigash, it means, it can mean several things. It can mean approaching for a war. We find that with, with uh, Yoav, who was the general of David, that it says that he approached for war. We find that there's an approach for appeasement, and that was when Judah approaches Joseph. And we also find an approach, of vayigash, of prayer, and that is when Elijah, the prophet, approaches. And in this case, the Torah uses vayigash to express all three, that he's coming to, obviously he's not fighting a war with God, but he's coming uh, with strength to God. He's, he's demanding, he's requesting justice, but he's also coming, that's to speak harshly, so to speak, to God. Lepius is also coming to appease God, and Latvila, he's also coming to pray. Verse 24, so Abraham begins. Maybe there are 50 righteous people within the city. Are you, would you still destroy and not forgive the place for the 50 tzaddikim that are here? Now, why did he come up with the number 50? The answer is, as we saw, there were five cities. So he says that if there are 10 righteous people for each of the cities, totaling 50 righteous people, I think you should consider not destroying the place. Verse 25, far be it from you, God, to do such a thing, to put to death the righteous with the wicked, so the righteous should be like the wicked. Far be it from you, will the judge of the entire earth, not perform justice. Rashi says, if you will say that the even if you will argue that the righteous should not exempt the wicked, but why kill the, the righteous? Just kill the wicked. Further, Rashi says that people will say it's not good PR for God. Because people will say that you just you're killing everybody. It's righteous, the wicked, everybody together, like you did in the in the in the uh, generation of the flood and in the generation of the dispersion. Verse 26, God said, You know what, Abraham? I give you that. If you can find 50 righteous people in the city, I will forgive the entire place for their sake. You have a deal. Now Rashi points out that it says, he says, Sodom. Why Sodom? Because Sodom, that was the, the most, the metropolis, it was the most important of them all. So therefore, the 50 righteous men are, are attributed to it. But really, it's the entire area. So Abraham comes and says, Behold, now I've commenced to speak to God, although I am but dust and ashes. Suddenly, Abraham is very humble. So Rashi tells us, I am dust and ashes doesn't just, it's not just an expression of humility. There's a lot to it. Offer dirt. He says, I should have already been dust at the hands of the kings that I fought, and ashes at the hands of Nimrod, who, try, who, put, who put Abraham into a burning furnace for refusing to bow down to the idol, if not for your mercies that stood by me. So I'm recognizing, God, the kindnesses that you did for me. But still, I'm going to argue with you. And he says, maybe the 50 righteous men will be missing five, so we're only going to have 45. 
So we've got nine for each city, as Rashi says. And you, God, says Rashi, you're the tzaddik of the world. You're the righteous one of the world. You be counted among the nine. Will that be enough? God says, yeah, that's fine. If you can find nine, I will not destroy if I can find 45. Now, obviously, if, if, if Abraham went down from 50 to 45, apparently he couldn't find 50. So he says, well, what about 45? He continued to speak to God and he says, maybe you'll find 40. He says, 40? That's no problem. If you can find 40, we will uh, spare the place. Now, what is 40? Right? He, Rashi explained 50, explained 45. What about 40? How does 40 work? He says, if you have 40, then at least save four of the cities. And then he's going to say 30. That means save three cities. If you find 20, save two. If you find 10, save one. Verse 30, again, Abraham says, please, God, don't be angry at me. Let me speak. Maybe you'll find 30. He says, sure, 30 will save three of the cities. And again, 31, behold, I have a desire to speak to God. Maybe you'll find 20. He says, no problem. 20, I'll save two cities. And then finally in verse 32, what about 10? He says, I won't, if you find 10, I won't destroy the city. Now Rashi points out, 10, that was the last. The negotiations were over. Why didn't he say, what about, what about, um, um, less than that, says Rashi, that the Deut Hamabel, there were eight in the generation of the of the flood. The last time this happened, there were eight. Noah, his three sons, and the wives of these four people. And yet, and that did not save their generation. Even though there were eight righteous people, it wasn't enough to save the generation. And for nine, together with counting God, He'd already asked, but did not find. Verse 33, So God gave him his chance. He gave him a heads up. And now God goes after Abraham finished speaking. And Abraham returns to his place. The beautiful Rashi. Rashi says, Once the defender was silent, the defender being Abraham, the dying, the judge, leaves. And then Abraham goes back to his place. Why, says Rashi? Once the judge leaves, the defender leaves. And what's left? The prosecutor is there to prosecute. And then we see that the two angels came to Sodom at night to destroy him. One to destroy, one to save light. And he is the same one who came to heal Abraham. And the third one who had come Levasid is Sarah to tell Sarah the good news that she was going to have a baby. Once he did his job, he was out. He went back to Angel, Angel Heaven, Angel Depot. Okay, well, that concludes the uh, Parsha for today. There's a lot here, and I'm sure you have a lot of questions, comments, so we'll open it up for that. Feel free to jump right in. Bill, you're on uh, mute.
Okay. Okay. Sorry, I I, I lost the screen. No, I was just oh, with uh, with his bargaining with Abraham's bargaining with God. I mean, you could say this is very disrespectful. Even he was feeling kind of guilty about it. He's, he's arguing, you know, bargaining with God, you know, down these numbers and down. These, but he kept doing it. it Remind me of Tevye and Fiddler on the Roof. Huh. But you know what? What's that saying? Is that like? He's, he's special enough to be able to do this. God tolerates this from Abraham. Yeah, I think it's, it's um, to the contrary. This is Abraham's great quality that his, um, you know, his love for the people, his, his attribute of kindness is so strong that, you know, you know the, there's a, a teaching from the Baal Shem Tov. Baal Shem Tov said that everything in the Torah that's forbidden. There's all the Talmud says. The Talmud says everything that's forbidden in the Torah. There's also a permitted permutation of it. And see, the Talmud gives an example of certain non-kosher foods that there's a kosher version of it. You know, the faken. Um, and says there's there's a, there's a you know there's a prohibition on being a a uh, a heretic, right? It says, but there's a time to be a heretic, and that's when somebody else is suffering. You know, when we something happens to us, we accept God's judgment. Who are we to, to question God and so forth? But when you see somebody else suffering, you're supposed to, you're not supposed to be a believer, you know, of, of course, you remain a believer, but you're not supposed to say, well, this is God's will. So I guess that's what it is. And Abraham is the one who teaches us that, that. You know, you try your best. You go, you pray for them. You go to God, even to speak, speak strongly. Um, that's 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 the lesson we learn from Abraham. We see that he's not punished for it, and to the contrary, the Torah tells us about it to teach us that this is actually a proper approach. And we see with Moshe, Moshe does that as well. Moshe, Moshe goes even stronger. Yeah, Moshe says, "If you don't forgive the people, I'm out." <laughs> And Noah, of course, we contrast with Noah that he was, the, he said, okay, you're bringing a flood. Okay, bring a flood. Let's build an ark. Okay, build an ark. No problem. <laughs> but for a just and compassionate cause, caring about others, that's, that's a good Exactly. Thing. Exactly. Great point. Does it not also mean, uh, as in another example of, um, we're part of God, but we're individualized. And so um, as long as you speak respectfully, you're allowed to have your say because you're an individual. And if there's something worthy, God will agree. And if not, fine. But it just shows that, that we're all tied to the source, yet we're individualized within it. Excellent. And, and that God, you know, wants us to, um, you know, he, we're, we're partners with God in creation, right? God creates a, an imperfect universe. And, um, you know, we, we see that there is this, there's judgment and there's mercy, there's compassion. And we see from Abraham, we see from Moses that it's important. It's important to, to uh, even if there is a, there's a expression of judgment, and even if it's justified, to that our approach should be to to ask for compassion, 
And in this case, God says, no, you know, it's not, um, you know, I, I respect your, <laughs> I'm putting words into God's mouth, but I respect your, your comments. And um, I'm sorry, you know, in this case, Abraham kind of, you know, tried something, but it, it didn't work. He, he himself had nothing left to say. Moshe went, went even further. You know, Moshe said, you know, erase me from your book if, you, if you're not going to forgive the Jewish people. But still, you know, so you, you see the Torah is kind of telling us what our attitude should be towards um, divine retribution, right? We, we, God doesn't want us or need us to be his cheerleaders of, yeah, destroy the place. <laughs> right? if, it ha- if God decides this is what needs to happen, this is what needs to happen, and we accept it as God's will and so forth once it's, once it's happened. But, um, you know, we're not the cheerleaders for retribution. I think that's a powerful message over here. It is something that happens, and it is God's thing. Um, it is part of the rules of nature, part of the rules that God set up. But we learn from Abraham and Moses that that's not our job to, to, um, to, to, to um, applaud that. Our job is quite the opposite. And if, it's, if we do it right, and if there really is hope, then our efforts will succeed. If not, as was in this case, you know, we talked a little bit last week of the fact that, that Abraham refused to take any uh, money from Sodom, even though it was offered. You know, Sodom was pretty far gone. And we have this, in Hasidus, we have the, you know, the three, Tanya talks about the three klipot, three purely impure things, you know, absolutely impure things that cannot be elevated. They're, they're, they're lost. And then you have the klipot noga, which is kind of neutral and it could be elevated. So we see that he took the wealth from Egypt, but he wouldn't take the the wealth from Sodom. So, you know, this was a case of too far gone, but until that was, you know, until that was hundred percent proven and there was really no hope, Abraham tried his best. So I think with the the takeaway messages, this, uh, this idea of the, of Abraham's compassion, Moshe's compassion. And it's really striking because Abraham he, the, the people of Sodom are the polar opposite from him. I mean, everything that he's teaching, he's talking about generosity. They're the opposite of Abraham. They're talking, he's talking about, um, you know, morality and, and God and all of that. And Sodom is the opposite of this. You would expect if God says, I'm going to destroy this place, Abraham should say, go for it, God. What have you, what you been waiting for? That's, a, that's not it. That, that Abraham's reaction is the exact opposite of that. And it's really a beautiful thing that despite he's teaching and he has a message and he feels very strongly about it. He's not like a, you know, he's not the, um, the dude just like hanging out. He's, he's, he's a real guy. He's got a lot of, he's very opinionated and he has a mission and he works hard. But at the same time, he has this compassion even for these people who are the exact opposite of us. So with that, I'll wish you an amazing night. And I hope we will study again tomorrow. More Parsha, more Abraham, because it doesn't get better than that. Yes, <laughs> Kayaf. Thank you. Laila Tov. Thank you, Rabbi. Tov. Good night. Nice to see everyone.